Welcome to the Young Stroke Survivor Podcast. This is a podcast series for young stroke survivors and their life and care partners who will be sharing their stories, successes, and challenges along their stroke recovery journey. Information and advice given in this podcast is general in nature and is not intended to replace the advice of your doctor. Any questions or concerns should be addressed with your healthcare team. This series is presented by Stroke Recovery Association of BC in affiliation with March of Dimes Canada and is funded by Disability Alliance BC. Our topic today is raising a family after stroke. And here to talk about their experience doing this is Christy Campbell and Sean Standing. Hello, Christy, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> and hi, Sean, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Hi, nice to be here. So thank you both for making time to meet and talk about this important topic. I'd like to read a very brief intro about you and then we'll get to some questions and hear from each of you about your experiences from all stages of family life post-stroke. So Christy had a stroke in 2005 and Christy has shared about her stroke and recovery journey in another podcast. So I encourage people to listen to that. And Sean will also be doing a separate podcast on his experience as partner of a young stroke survivor. At the time of the stroke, both Christy and Sean were young working professionals, building their careers and looking forward to life together. Certainly neither of them expected or was prepared for anything like what happened with Christy's stroke. Today, 16 years later, they are raising their beautiful four-year-old daughter and nine-year-old son and co-parenting two young adult children who are now 19 and 21 years old. So clearly a lot has happened in the time since your stroke, Christy, and we really appreciate getting to hear from you both about this journey. So to begin, I wonder if listeners might find it helpful to hear something about your life before the stroke, maybe how long you've been together or how was work and family life or anything you want people to know about your life before the stroke. Uh, well, I guess to start off, we uh, we met at work, um, and, and then uh, we started dating, uh, and we'd only been dating for maybe a year and a half or so before Christy's stroke. So it was really it was really a young, new relationship, and you know you're still trying to find your footing and that sort of thing. And I I was uh, going through a divorce and had two young kids, a four year old and a two year old at the time. So I mean there was that added. Uh, dimension to it of, of Christy learning to handle a new relationship with kids as well. So uh, there was that. Um. Uh, I just finished my master's. Uh, so I was clearly in the midst of my, I don't know, building my career when I had my stroke. So that coupled with this new relationship was uh, my hands were pretty full. So you had, Sean, you had a two and a four-year-old and were, so you, Sean and Christy, you were both co-parenting a two and a four-year-old at the time of your stroke, Christy. Yes. Yeah. And the kids were living with you part-time? Part uh, yeah, they were, they were, uh, they were with us a couple of days a week um, in the evenings and then every other weekend for a little while. So um yeah, it was uh, a lot of transition uh, for a lot of people, including the kids, including, you know, Christy, myself, uh, 
the kid's mom, uh, a lot of transition, a lot of newness to it. Uh, but at the time, of course, we were all optimistic about great futures ahead, ahead of us and careers that were developing and uh, two happy, healthy young little boys. Um, yeah, it was lots of lots to look forward to. And then, of course, the stroke hit. So, yeah, maybe would would each of you be able to talk about your experience of the stroke and the very early days of what things were like right after the stroke? I think we obviously have two completely different perspectives of it. Christy was just trying to make it through day to day. Uh, she had, uh, in addition to the physical uh, changes that happened, um, I, maybe I'll let you speak true for yourself on, on that. But for me, it was uh, dramatically different perspective or view of what I thought was going to be our relationship. Uh, and now having to adjust to I'm going to be a caregiver. I've got two young kids as it is. Uh, and, you know, you obviously can't foresee the future, but there was Christy unable to speak, likely not able to work, um, loss of uh, physical strength and ability and loss of all of the things that maybe we had dreamed of and planned of. So dramatic change on, on my part. And, and truly, I, I wasn't the one sitting in the, in the, in the bed so, uh, or lying in the bed with the stroke. So. And for all, for me, while she was doing the recovery, there was also dramatically different views of what Christie's recovery was going to be. The care that I needed. The care that she needed and what the long-term outcome was going to be. And, and by that, I mean, uh, certainly within the medical community, you know, the, the doctor would say one thing, the physiotherapist might have a different, more optimistic view. But just from the friends and family around us um you know certainly i had friends that were saying sean you got to get out of this this is not where you want to be uh and christy had the same thing christy you got to get out of this this is a guy who's you know got two young kids and you don't really know him uh, you know um and parents and friends who had different views of we need to we need to rally around christy to do everything for her on one sort of side and then the other side was no, we need to really let Christy develop and, and grow into what her new world is going to be. So, and those are very different philosophical views. Um, I was definitely the latter, uh, and that caused a lot of conflict. And for me, I was just trying to survive. <laughs> so I didn't really engage with all of the conflict around me. I was just concentrating on my recovery. So I- And I dare say you're probably not fully aware of a lot of the conflict. Yeah. To be fair. I was not. Uh, and it wasn't open combative. It was just, you know, everybody's in shock. Everybody's dealing with this young, vibrant, intelligent, beautiful, athletic, outgoing woman now has one word and she's in a hospital bed. In a wheelchair. Uh, in a wheelchair. Uh, you know, uh, where's this going? Um, uh, who knows? Anyways, it, it was it very, very, very trying. And I, I can honestly say from my perspective, I, I was 
both of us were, were dealing with uh, the trauma of it. Both of us were, were dealing with the, um, I guess, the early, early, early grieving of what, what happened. Um, I, I, what, what just happened to my life? <laughs> and, I, and I can honestly say, I won't say depression hit in quite that quickly, but I was, it was in total shock for months, possibly years. You know, juggling Christie's appointments and, and loss of half of our household income and loss of their future and the conflict between the varying warring factions that, well, everybody had the best interest for Christy. Um, and dealing with raising young kids and we had a, a puppy. And uh, I can honestly say that there was times in my day, well, quite, quite often, where I was thinking to myself, I just have to get through the next 15 minutes. Like, I just have to get through this, just making dinner or just whatever it is. Yeah, I can, I can uh, hear the, just even revisiting those days sounds like it brings back how traumatic and shocking and out of control everything must have felt. Yeah, and for me, leaving the hospital system and going home like for me in the hospital my day was scheduled with my appointments and stuff so but leaving I I think I had a month until I was able to go into the out outpatient program uh, at Lionsgate and my thoughts were like what am I going to do for that month and that's another month according to the doctor you know six months timeline right if I am not doing anything for that month what's my recovery gonna look like so Christy, is that, so you were in acute care for one month before you moved into rehab? Uh, I think it was about three weeks. Okay. And then I went into uh, GF Strong. Got it. And then, and you were told in the early days that you had six months to recover yep. so that you had that kind of hanging over you as if whatever happens in those six months is the only recovery you're going to experience. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think, I hope that, that that doesn't still exist out there, but I suspect it does. Um, and it leaves, it leaves Christy and myself scrambling, not only to adjust to a new life, but scrambling that there's somehow there's this quiet ticking time bomb that's got six months. And whatever recovery you get to, that's it. Now, it's an absurd, absurd thing to do to somebody. I mean, it really puts un unneeded pressure on, on the individual and the people around them to, to try to scramble, to not only adjust to the new life, but scramble to, okay, what, what else can we do? And so, as Christy said, I mean, leaving, leaving her as I went to work and she's sitting there watching Days of Our Lives or, you know, Oprah or something... Uh, which are all great, but going from a, a wonderfully outgoing woman who 
uh, you know, couldn't go to the corner store without making new friends and somebody else coming over for dinner that night to quite honestly had one word and was afraid to go out was disturbing to see. I mean, the loss of potential, the loss of direction, the loss of ambition, uh, you know, it, it was disturbing. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. I had to help her find a new direction while adjusting for all the other things that we had going on. Um, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot, a lot, um, a lot to do. It was really painful for me to see Christie's uh, just not not have a, a what am I going to do next with my life at 31, all of that potential just gone sideways, and it wasn't that it it disappeared. It was just that it had to be refocused, and we had to figure out a way and a, a direction, I guess, that was going to be our new focus. And so it sounds like, Sean, you you were mindful of all of that. And Christy, in those early days, you were intensely focused on your rehab, on your physio and OT yes. and speech appointments and just getting through the day and dealing with fatigue. And Yeah, and then we were in a court case. So, you know, like it. Well, even that, I mean, we're talking about the, the sort of different approaches to Christie's uh, recovery. Uh, you know, uh, that was that was a big discussion that we had to have. I mean, it, it was a malpractice. It was a series, uh, as we'd, we've noted a number of times to ourselves, jokingly, it was just a series of unfortunate events that led Christie to, to be where she was, which uh, was horrific. But do you want to continue to relive that trauma or do you want to, walk away from it and just move on with your life. So we had to really even decide whether we were gonna pursue a court case. Um, ultimately, of course we did, uh, but that was a five year commitment, a five years of our lives that we're not only recovering from a stroke, finding our new footing in this quicksand of our new lives, um, finding new purpose, we're also having to relive three times in like um, three different times for different lawyers. Reviewing the the nastiness of, of what had happened and and the way that it, the system worked is sort of projecting what your future might have been. And so you you're faced with that on top of it. It was uh, it was certainly not enjoyable. Uh, but, but at the end of the end of the day, we chose to do it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it is what it is. And must have been a huge relief when that case concluded and you could put it behind you. Yes, it was. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can honestly remember the, the day that it was done sitting at a Starbucks myself. And it was like, I don't have like... I don't have to think about it. It was, it honestly was a, another full-time job and I wasn't the lawyer and Christy wasn't the lawyer, but managing all the other extraneous factors and appointments and legal nuances. And it was another, it was a full-time job on top of the full-time job that I had on top of the full-time job that Christy had with all of her recovery things. I mean, we were just crazy. Yeah. 
so glad it was done. Yes. <laughs> Do you look back now and wonder how you got through that? I do, <laughs> but that, you know, that's just, I think that's my mindset is, okay, I chose to do this. I will see it through. So. And Christy brings incredible positivity to our relationship. I'm definitely uh, predisposed to be a glass half empty kind of person. Uh, and Christy's definitely the glass is overflowing kind of person. And so it, it really, it, it was, she woke up in the hospital and almost was, oh, wow, this is, can't be good. Um, I can't All my speak. Friends and our family uh, are but, here. But these, are, but these are the cards I'm dealt and, and she moved forward. Now that's not to say that she didn't have uh, downtime and you know it wasn't horrible, but very much a, a positive attitude that she brought to it. Uh, and I think that only sort of a, accelerated as we went went through this realizing there's no way out we're in this and so we we had extensive conversations about what you can sit here and wallow in it you can sit here and just passively accept it or we what we did i think was we chose to forcibly change the landscape around us um, and move forward Did you want to say anything to that, Christy? Uh, no, I think that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining um, listeners now who might be in the er, those early stages you were talking about. Um, you had only been together 18 months and you both were getting, you know, advice and input from people about walk away. This isn't going to work. Um, yeah, I'm just imagining people who might be listening who may be in that situation and what it was like for you and how you came to decide, yes, we're moving forward together in this. Uh, I was head over heels in love there. Like, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and we, through the course of all of this over the last 16 years or so, certainly in the initial stages, we had a lot of friends just disappeared and, and it's no slight against them. Um, people come and go in your life, whether or not you have a stroke, but there was certainly a, a, a group of people who really couldn't handle the new us, the new Christy who, who couldn't socialize the way she could. I mean, she's eloquent now, uh, but really for quite a, a long time, years, she had a handful of words and, and, you know, so you're functioning with, a normal adult brain can handle about 20,000 words. She had six, 12, 10, you know, so, so that, so the words were in my brain, right. But I she couldn't express them. So, I mean, I was head over heels in love with her. Um, that helps, which helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did, we did have discussions. I mean, do we stay together? I mean, there were as you know, there were factions that were, we, this shouldn't go on do we stay together and uh lots of crying lots of tears it went on for quite a while i mean i took a, took a little bit of a, a leave and uh and left for a little while um and i think through that we really decided that we wanted to, to get together and keep going 
So. How about your side of that, Christy? Uh, yeah, it was, as I said, you know, I was just trying to recover as best I could do. And having a new relationship in the myths was, I don't know, it, it was tough. But um, as Sean said, he left and went back to Ontario for a little bit. And uh, during that time, I just decided that I loved him and I, uh, I want him, wanted to come back. He want, no, I wanted him to come back and we'll, you know, just move forward together and and that decision ended friendships for Christy. Yeah. There were people in your life that felt so strongly. Yep. Had, had such an opinion about that role. Yep. Yeah. So. And here we are. 16 years later, 16 years on. Uh, I wonder. Oh, go ahead. You were going to say something, Christy? Almost 19. Yeah. Oh, right. Because you had been together year and a half yeah yeah your 19 year anniversary together i was i'm wondering because we're um focusing on family and children is if you could talk a little bit about what you how it was for the two your two and four year olds in those early days and how you explained you know the differences in christy when she came home to them and That's um, that's a really interesting perspective because at the time they were four and two when this happened, and a four-year-old's language is just just coming on stream. A two-year-old, you know, there's not much language that's happening, complex language, anyways. Um, and and it was a new relationship and the kids were only seeing Christy and myself, uh, you know, intermittently. But Christy uh, and the boys really got on really well, especially the younger one. Um, it was just a match made in heaven. It was, it was a joy for me to see. Um, but then when she had her stroke, um, it changed dramatically because my time and energy to be a part-time parent, although I, of course, I wanted to be a full-time, but uh, was strained uh, in that I also had to juggle my own life and career and Christie's stroke recovery, all those sort of things. So my, my engagement with my kids is probably less than stellar, um, but kids are resilient. And so, uh, you know, I, I, everybody did the best they could, but the language thing really affected how they interacted with Christy. Um, and she could only say one word routinely. The rest of it was kind of random, whatever she could say. And so a two-year-old is not particularly adept at, at doing uh, charades and understanding charades um, or predicting what language might be. So Christy almost disappeared. Uh, like she was physically in the room, 
but they ceased to almost interact with her wholly. Um, and that's, I, I mean, I'm focusing on the kids doing that. Quite frankly, that happened to a lot of, a lot of adults, no longer directed conversations at you, but rather at me, but, uh, you know. Well, and for me, like I felt like I couldn't be a good parent with no language. So I did actually shy away and I, I need, I wanted to be in the background when Sean had the kids. Um, because I don't, I didn't feel like I could do it. Yeah. I mean, the loss of self-confidence was palpable in Christie's life for everything. Uh, and that was just, just, just expressing it in terms of parenting. And that's, that's a classic example. Thanks for talking about that. Yeah, I'm just imagining the listeners who are in that situation right now, you know, early stages of stroke or ongoing challenges with aphasia and concerns about their relationships with kids. And you have the added layer that it was um, your stepkids. Um, yeah. Yeah. Another question I was hoping you would uh, talk about is the decision to have children, because you also now have two beautiful children that came after Christy's stroke. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk about that process of making a decision to move ahead with that. Shall I launch into that? Sure. <laughs> well, it all starts with I'm terribly in love with Christy. So <laughs> that's, that's how most kids start. Um, so, um, it was a lot to adjust to, of course. And then the decision around whether or not we were having kids. I mean, one of the key things for us was Christy was already, we, we referred to, well, not we, but Christy called herself the bonus mom, not, not a stepmom or anything else, but a bonus mom. And, and she, she took pride in, in her role as such, and it changed from pre-stroke but she really did she was a great is a great bonus mom and but we we lost half of our income in a very expensive city um and on top of that there were additional expenses around her recovery so we really weren't in a financial position to have kids um now we're in the throes of a five-year lawsuit that um was draining on was, my body and my brain. And, and so we financially and physically and emotionally, we were not in a headspace to have kids uh, at all. And it wasn't until uh, the lawsuit was settled and that big uh, weight was lifted off of us, um, our finances changed. And I mean, it's not like winning the 649. It really isn't. Uh, the Canadian system is not like the American system, but it, it really isn't. And, and and both of us would attest a thousand times over, give it all back to have have our lives back. But that really changed. It lifted that weight off. Christy had was five years down the road into her recovery. Her language had come back significantly. Yeah. Um, and then we looked at each other and really talked about it, whether we want to have kids. And the strain that would that would take place, you know, because her physical ability to have the kids, to care for. Yeah, we did meet with a neurologist to just 
make sure I, if there's any barriers for me to have kids. Um, and uh, the only thing was I have uh, two stents in and around my carotid. So they said, if you, if you do get pregnant, you need to have a C-section um, because you can't push. So that, that was the only medical um, advice that we got. Everything was good. So there were no other, as a woman who'd had a stroke, there were no other like concerns or contraindications or reasons why you couldn't go ahead with a pregnancy. No, nothing. No, we were, we were pretty, we were in a groove. I think we'd kind of got our, our footing a lot more five, I mean, five years down the road. We got our footing as to where we were socially. We got a, we got a, a different group of friends. Um, you know, our, we'd hit, hit our stride with, with Christy having a new sort of purpose in life um, around uh, advo advocacy for stroke recovery and aphasia and that sort of stuff. So we kind of, we, we'd hit our stride a, a little bit better than in the initial days. Um, so ultimately we made the decision to give it a go and it worked out and, you know, Christy was 37, I believe when Cameron was born, um, which is getting on, I guess, in terms of when you should have, not should, but when you can have kids. Um, and so it worked out well. Um, one of the huge factors for us too was I was able to take a better part of nine months, 10 months off work um, just through the nature of my work that I, I was able to help out. So, I mean, that was a tremendous factor after the baby, after, after Cameron was born. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge, huge component of our, our decision, you know, um, Knowing that you would be able to. Knowing that I, yes, that I wouldn't have to juggle everything else to, and that. And, and yeah, and to help. To help me. Christy out. And, and we had wonderful parents and in-laws and friends and new and old that were there helping out. And yeah, and he was, uh, yeah, he came along. And yeah, it was, it was good. I, I would say for Elise was a little bit of a different story. And, and um we we decided shortly afterwards that we we thought well let's, we seem to have got the stride on this um, let's let's have another one well two two years right <laughs> two years after two years in that you know let, let's have another one but so by that point Christy's thirty nine ish um, thirty eight thirty nine and um, which is still within childbearing years but. We tried and 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 didn't have any success and went through IVF and all sorts of things like that. And that was trying in and of itself because it forced us to revisit the fact that we were trying to have kids later in life that we wouldn't be doing it later in life had this stroke not affected her. And so not Nothing. not to link the two together but it, it really did well it what would have happened if we'd been trying when christy was 31 
you know, would we be going through this? And, and at the same time, thinking to ourselves, okay, I'm 40, I'm 42, I'm 41. Do, do, do we really want to do this? It's, you know, the energy level of, a, of having a kid in your 20s as a parent versus having kids in your 40s and stuff is 50s is quite different for the, different for the kid. <laughs> um, yeah. Different that, that was a little that was a little bit difficult but at, in, at the end of the day we um we have four amazing kids and i wouldn't change it for the world <laughs> christy <laughs> can you say a little bit about the experience of being pregnant uh well both times i was pregnant i had a very 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 bad morning sickness but that's not related to stroke, I don't think. Um, but uh, my pregnancies were actually very, they went well, according to all concerned parties. Um, so uh, that, that, was a, that was a bonus for me because I, I didn't know. Every time I went to my doctor, you know, just wondering if everything was okay so and I, I was according to everybody and me a high risk pregnancy both times right so um because of my age and my stroke so so is it part of a like a standard of care for you as somebody who had a stroke that you're followed not just by your obstetrician but also by is it a neurologist that becomes part of your team uh I get yeah i think i think it would be uh, yeah so christy was was followed by a um uh, uh, i guess an ob yeah ob that recognized that she was a high risk for a variety of reasons um we had, I think we had initial conversations with neurologists, but it wasn't significant. They weren't, they weren't overly concerned. Um, yeah. So my family doctor referred me to uh, OG, um, OBGYN. Yeah. Who specialized in high risk pregnancies of all different kinds of things. So. I guess um, I know that there are people in the young stroke survivor community here who are in the position you were in, who've had a stroke and are wondering about having, getting pregnant and having, starting families. So I guess it's physical health wise, it's very individual and they should consult with their own GP, but it yeah. sounds like in general, your stroke itself didn't have an impact or change your experience of being pregnant other than you said, you were required to have a C-section. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no, I don't. No, I think the pregnancy part, it was fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, both your babies then came from, through C-section and then yeah. could you, um, talk a little bit about what the time was like 
for each of you having newborn babies at home? Uh, well, whether you've had a stroke or not, yeah, <laughs> a newborn is training. Um, <laughs> it really is. And there's, uh, we were blessed both times. Well, I feel blessed four times, but with kids who were were healthy and uh, and and all and on the scale of things, I think fairly easy to to um, to parent. Um, but but I, I was very fortunate in that for both the Cameron and Elise to be able to stay home for and not yeah. be off work. So instead of you know if for at the time, I guess it was you could take parental leave, and typically it was it was the mom that would take it. But because Christy wasn't working, I, I approached my employer and said, "My wife's not going to take it, so can I?" And and I was I was able to, and which was which was fantastic. So it's it was that that was a big contributing factor to us deciding to have kids of course and to us being uh able to do it i guess in a, the least draining way uh so um, and we had friends and family also helping out with, as, as all parents do i think for us to the um after at the tail end of it i was able to work with my employer and say, can I work from home a couple of days a week? Um, this was all pre-COVID. Now, now it's a whole different world. But uh, at the time, it, that was kind of a bit of a stretch for my employer, you know. Um, and and quite frankly, socially, it was a little bit bizarre. I still surprised to this day that I did get some ribbing that I, it was going to be the dad that was going to take that time and was going to work from home and. Uh, but fortunately, it worked out, and um, I was able to work from home a couple of days a week and help Christy with, you know, changing diapers and that sort of thing, which can be difficult. But if you've lost the use of one hand, loading a kid into a car or a car seat or a stroller or you know changing them is is uh, has added complexities to it. Yeah, during my uh, court case, there I did a. A day, one of my friends had twins and they were newborn at the time. And I had an OT come to their house to watch me with these kids and see if I could have the kid and care for a child and dress them and change diapers and feed them or you know so that was a a very interesting day with twins (laughs) I don't want twins (laughs) (laughs) extra challenging and so Christy just for listeners can you clarify do you have um is one of your arms affected by the stroke uh yes so my right arm is Still affected. My hand is uh, my sensation is off, so I can't grip a pen or um, loss of sensation. It's in constant pain, that sort of thing. It's similarly with her right right leg to a much lesser extent, right foot to a much lesser extent. But uh, Christy was right-handed prior to her stroke. So she's lost, effectively lost the use of her right hand. I mean, it's not totally dysfunctional, but it, it, 
it's not like it was for sure. Um, yeah. So how, how was the that um, assessment for you? What was that like? Uh, it was interesting for me because although I was dealing with one baby at a time, um, I, I really got a sense of, yeah, this is going to be a big job for me even if Sean's with me and helping me, it's going to be a lot of work. So it was a very um, eye-opening experience for sure. And then how did you experience it with your first baby? How was that for you? Um, well, <laughs> I think I did okay. Oh yeah. I, I was just kind of in a it's, it's deer the, in the headlights. I was like uh, like any new parents, <laughs> we were deer in the headlights. Although we we had I had the I guess the advantage that I had gone through it before, so I kind of knew what I was gonna get into. Um, and Christy, having been a bonus mom for uh, several years by that point also had an idea of what parenting was about, albeit not newborns. So I mean, we kind of had a little bit of um, a little bit of a taste for, I think. Yeah. Um, and so it, but, but like any new, new parent, you know, you, you suffer through exhaustion and, and sleepless nights and extra amounts of caffeine that you can't believe you're taking in and wind offset the other side of it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, we, we did well. I think the that for the other interesting component, and we've talked about this with about Reed and Carson, my older two or our older two, was Christie's language barrier. Um, and so teaching a kid to speak, to read, to address the alphabet, um, to handle numbers. Um, I mean, obviously that's not something you do right at, right at the gates, but kids are learning about language just by hearing the parents talk, the the cadence, the, the words, the vocabulary, the flow, seeing adults interact. Uh, and Christie's aphasia was, was a component of that. Um, now, Christie is very fortunate. Her aphasia is, is not as pronounced as, as others. And, and to a large extent, her, her language has, is, is, is much better than it used to be. But reading to Cameron and to Elise, uh, and even to read in Carson in their early days, was a significant barrier, uh, a significant phobia almost of, of Christie's uh, to get over and muscle through and figure out a way to, to do that. Yeah, and like for reading Carson, I, I didn't even try to read stories with them. I just thought I couldn't do it. So by the time I was pregnant with Cameron. I thought, okay, there's, you know, I need to figure out how to do this. Um, so I bought tons of videos and, you know, 
yeah, just any tool that I could purchase to help me and my child have, you know, the alphabet and the letters and, oh, sorry, uh, numbers and shapes and colors, you know, like, so, yeah. So, Christy, were they, they would be, these were like videos that you would watch together with your kids? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was just wondering about if you had any other, like, tips or suggestions or ideas, because I know there are people in our young survivor community who have very young children, um, yeah. people with aphasia, and yeah, I just wondered if you had other suggestions or ideas that you found helpful. Uh, so I love it. The company is called Preschool Prep, and they have tons of different videos. Um, so I really recommend them. Um, um, I think that's really what we, I used the camera. And there's just, there's so many more options now than when Christy had her stroke. I mean, the iPads and the whole I, 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 apps. apps are just are phenomenal. I mean, you can find an app for almost everything and, and finding apps to help kids read or somebody with aphasia to help them speak um, and communicate. It's just, it's just miraculous compared to where the landscape was when Christy had her stroke. So I think where the, and Christy and I definitely function this way, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, and, and, you know, having the, we had the radio on all the time to, to supplement the conversations that he would, that the kids are hearing. Um, and I really firmly believe that we just kind of figured it out like any other parent does, that we had different different challenges. And were there any um, problems or challenges your kids experienced with language development? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. no. Like if Cameron I, was like. Because we were so, so, I mean, we're both of us were so aware of it and aware of the language deficit that Christy had within the context of our family unit because we we're so aware of it we were so on top of it to the point that Cameron's language was probably light years ahead of where it might otherwise have been had we not been paying attention to it so uh overcompensated I guess <laughs> Well, that might be a big relief for some people to hear. <laughs> and so last question for you today, are there other things that you've learned having now parented kids from birth all the way through to young adulthood that you would wanna share with other stroke survivors and their partners, any tips, advice, things, anything at all related to that whole journey you've been through? Um, I'll, I'll start off, but it, it was a, and is, uh, quite a challenging journey, but I, I think anything worth doing is, I think for us, parenting the older kids had Christy not had a stroke would have resulted in, you know, one style of parenting that we would have been successful at, but that wasn't 
that wasn't what we were faced with. And I, I think we had to find new footing, find a new direction, find a new purpose. And, and ultimately, I think it really comes down to what Christy and I have striven to, to do is just, if you don't like what you see, change it. And I really have a mindset around being proactive and being positive. And um, yeah, I think that was, I, I think having that positive mindset has really uh, helped the kids a lot. And I don't think it would have been showcased or brought forward or taught as much had we not been faced with the calamity that was Christie's stroke. So. Yeah, I agree. Of course, it's it's a lot of energy to do that with young kids and old kids too. Um, but I, I just think it's it's a mindset um, thing. Yeah, it really is the it's the grounding center point of of how we parent. Really is is. Um, is really around that mindset that you, anything is possible. Um, whether, yeah. whether, it's, whether it's realistic or not, I don't know, but <laughs> we, we really do push it. If you make a mistake, you know, you, what, what's your quote about you need to make a hundred mistakes to get it, get it right. Um, so that's what we tell the kids all the time is, Cameron is a perfectionist. So when he has, he makes a mistake, he gets upset and Cameron, slow down, just try again. And that's one, one mistake. There's a lot, I think because of Christy's stroke and how we had kids, uh, which we were co-parenting before her stroke and the, the experience transitioning through our recovery and then I, I really think that Christy and I are um, much better parents than we might otherwise have been. And I, I think because of her stroke, it how it affected us and the people we surround ourselves with, there's very little that throws us. You know, we got that close to the edge of life and death um, and came back from it and came back to it strong as a couple. Um, there's a lot of stuff can happen in life and both of us, you know, you, you care about it and you're engaged and of course, but at, at the end of the day, we're still alive. And so that's, I think, allowed us to have a much more grounded, even keel parenting style. Yeah. Go ahead, Christine. Yeah. And even, you know, we don't know. And like, we we're, don't. we're faking it like everybody else. <laughs> but we're growing and we're trying. And yeah. I got a, had a good quote from actually one of Cameron's podcasts. Um, and it's but something like, even if you can't see a tree growing, it is still growing and you know, so that's what I'm mindfully reminding myself that, okay, I made a mistake. I'll reframe that to 
better decision making for kids, you know, to our kids. And I'm still growing and learning too. So that's a fantastic motto and yeah, approach to things. So did you say Cameron has a podcast? Yeah, it is the big life podcast. No, that he that no, he, not. Lis- he listens to. Yes. Oh, one that he, one that he follows. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Wow. Like and I that. like it too because it helps me too. <laughs> yeah. All about mindset. Yeah. Wow. I'm just trying to think if there's any other questions I should have asked or leftover things or final things you would want to say. It's been a very interesting conversation. And, um, you know, leading up to this, it's, it's, it's Christy and I had to revisit certain things and uh, we're 15, 16 years into this. And, uh, you know, you probably hear it in my voice. It gets emotional. It never goes away. It's always there. You kind of get used to it, I guess. Yeah. Can I ask you, was there a time for both of you when life is no longer all about the stroke where you kind of feel like, you know, it's big, it's more than that now. It's not all consuming about stroke. Uh, it's always there. Mm-hmm. It really is whether you want it to be or not. And there's lots of times where, um, you know, I, I get frustrated with the fact that I'm having to deal with this thing or that thing, or, or Christy and I, because of, she has aphasia, sometimes the communication isn't exactly what it might've otherwise been. And well, things, things. That's normal for any parent. Correct. Parent. Yeah. <laughs> but, but to it's be able. It's not about aphasia. <laughs> to be, for me to be able to sometimes catch myself and say, okay, I'm not upset at Christy or I'm not upset at whatever. I'm upset at, at Christy's stroke. And to, to really be able to hive that off and, and then let it go. Um, you know, there's nothing that she can do about it. And there's nothing I can do about it. It just is. Um, yeah. Yeah. For instance, yesterday I had a rough day with my arm. And I was like, oh, I just want my arm to work again properly. Um, But I just, I don't know. It's it's still, it's always there. It's be in the background, but some days it's in the fore round again yeah like yesterday so and and we make light of the fact you know like it, it it's it maybe sometimes it's like music in the background that you you're not really paying attention to but you can hear it and sometimes it's songs you just go oh i really don't like that uh, but sometimes there's lots of times honestly that we we laugh our heads off at some of christie's aphasia <laughs> moments or you know, uh, when we're when we're driving to some restaurant or some place, and we're we're hoping that the parking's horrible, but we'll we'll rub our our magic parking pass to say, "Come on, lucky parking pass." <laughs> I mean, so if you, you you're gonna do it, um, you might as well have a positive attitude and sense of humor about it because you're doing it anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. It's always there. It's always there. But yeah, 
Well, thank you both so much. So we've been talking with Sean and Christy about uh, life and relationships and raising a family after stroke. And thank you both so much for sharing your story today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having us.